Capitalize on the stock market downturn now and build your wealth through real estate investing. Join Michael Blanc along with hundreds of other savvy investors at DealMaker Live, the number one multifamily event in Dallas, Texas from June 1st through the 3rd. Gain exclusive access to strategies used by over 10,000 successful students to acquire over $1.5 billion in real estate assets. Register now at DealmakerLiveEvent.com for a huge discount and secure your seat. Tickets are going fast. Don't miss out on the opportunity to transform your financial future. Go to DealmakerLiveEvent.com today. Hey there, dealmakers, and welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. I'm your host, Garrett Lynch. And as always, let's get ready to own it. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. This is the show for you. Our guest today bought a small town in Texas. We'll be chatting with John Jasniak in just a bit. But before that, guys, I wanted to mention, if you are looking to get into the syndication game and meet some other like-minded individuals, check out our DealMaker Live event in Dallas, Texas from June 1st to June 3rd. It is the number one multifamily event of the year. We have over 30 speakers and hundreds of investors to network with. It is the place to be. If you're interested in multifamily investing, visit the website to get your tickets. You guys would like to get involved with the pros, aka us, and partner with us on a deal, reach out to us at nighthawkequity.com and join the investor club. Set up a call and see if it's a right fit for you to jump into a deal with us. There are all kinds of amazing deals in the market right now just because of everything that's been going on. And we're, we're seeing price reduction, price drops of up to 30% on, on deals. So it's a great time to get in. So reach out to us there. Guys, Monrem with via Amazon, great content. This is a good book for beginners, talking about the yellow book, of course. And if you guys found the yellow book helpful, please give us a review on Amazon so to help others find this resource. Success highlight I want to mention, Chad Schleiler, he closed on 67 units in Richmond, Indiana, is valued at 3916000 He is a mentoring student, and he just bought that deal, which is pretty incredible. Uh, last but not least, guys, if you are looking to get into a deal on the active side, reach out to us at, at themichaelblanc.com slash mentor and grab a mentor because that is the fastest path to do a deal on the active side than you can imagine. It, it is an unbelievable program. Check us out there. So our guest today, John Jasniak, started flipping land in 2016 when he was 23 years old and working as a full-time engineer. After a year and a half of doing both, he quit his job to go into the land game full-time. And over the last seven years, John has done over 700 deals, accounting for over 7,000 acres. He built an eight-figure land business by the age of 30, including most recent purchase of a small town in Texas. Let's get into the show with John Jasniak. John, welcome to the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Garrett. Glad to be here. Yeah, same. So so you do something pretty interesting. You're making money doing land flips, and you're really into the land game, which I don't actually know 
too much about how I mean, I'm more into income producing assets, but you figured out a way to make pretty lucrative living by flipping land. How did you get into that? That's right. It's kind of a niche in real estate. I would like to think of it and really got into it from a podcast like this. I found out some guy like myself came onto a podcast, was talking about land flipping side hustle show episode 108. I mention it all the time. It's like, I don't know if it's a podcast that changed my life officially or what, but it's, I don't know how I found it. Listening to it one day on the way to and from the oil rigs. I used to be an engineer and this guy comes on talking about land investing, land flipping, and you know how you can make monthly payments and cash flow with land. And that's something that really, I'm sure like yourself, attracted me is to have passive income from real estate. And I'd never thought about doing it with land. Of course, I've heard about rental houses and multifamily and all that stuff. But land, it just kind of really hit it off with me, I guess, because I was already working out in Texas on the land, oil field, all that. And so I heard about this on a podcast, bought a couple of courses. And I guess the rest is history. Started small with a couple of little deals and kind of just snowballed from there. Cool. So how does how does it work exactly? How do you make money flipping land? Yeah. So like most of real estate, you make money on the buy side, all of real estate really. And so we look for land deals usually directly to landowners with either direct mail or SMS texting nowadays. So we reach out to landowners, offer them, depending on the piece, anywhere from 30 to 70 or 80 cents on the dollar. It really depends what's going on and what sort of deal we can get. But of course, we go in, we buy it under value. We turn around and immediately flip it for more. Or in my case, I do a lot of subdividing. So I'll go in, buy a hundred acre chunk, break it into 10 acre pieces or five acre pieces. And just that subdividing alone creates a bunch of value. And so we're able to create like a value add similar to multifamily and go ahead and sell it for more money. So why why would somebody sell you their land for 70 or 80 cents on a dollar? Great question. Or even some people, why would they sell it for 30 or 40 cents on the dollar, which a lot of, it just blows a lot of people's mind. And for the stuff that you're able to get 30 to 40 cents on the dollar, I like to think of it as more of a service that we're offering that seller. 30 to 40 cents on the dollar, that piece of land is probably in the middle of nowhere, a desert square. So they call it no utilities, no electric. It's probably five, 10, 20 grand is its value. And so for a seller to go online, list it, handle messages, handle deeds, paperwork, et cetera, they're just not going to know how to do that. And there's no interest in doing that, right? It's like going to a garage sale. Why can you find something at a garage sale for a buck that you turn around and sell on eBay for 50 or a hundred dollars. It's like that person did not take that extra effort and marketing and selling it the whole nine yards. So it's the same thing with land on those smaller pieces. Now on the larger pieces, no one in their right mind is going to take 30 or 40 cents on the dollar on their million dollar piece of land, right? You're not going to be able to go in and buy a million dollar piece of land for 300, 400,000. At that point, the seller's more motivated. They're going to have a realtor involved, a broker, they're going to be, you know, how can I get and extract as close to market value as possible? So why would someone sell at 70, 80 cents on the dollar? Well, they might be in a state. They need to close it out quickly. They might be looking for the cash. It might not be moving for various different reasons. A lot of times the brokers who list these pieces of land do a very poor job. So although they have a listing for a million dollar piece of land, it's not moving because they have one iPhone photo with the finger covering it or poor marketing, et cetera. So that seller is more willing to accept a $700,000, $800,000 offer on their million dollar 
piece of land. So there could be multiple things going on, just like any asset we go in and buy it at a discount, but certainly have to pay more for a bigger piece of land. Sure. And then how do you put together the deals? Is this the straight cash? Do you have a way to finance it? Yeah. So multiple ways to put that together on the smaller pieces you're most likely enough to pay straight cash. You know, the seller is going to want their money now. It's only 10,000 bucks. You can find someone to help you, a funder, an investor. Lots of those folks out there. It's funny. I get that question a lot from a lot of beginners in the land space. It's like, where can I get funding? Facebook and Facebook groups for you guys out there who are looking for money in real estate, especially for land. There's a lot of good land flipping Facebook groups. You should be in all those groups. There's people out there explicitly looking to fund land deals. Now on the bigger pieces, I like to do a lot of seller financing. So I'll actually ask the seller to hold the note. And although I have to go through more leads to find sellers who are willing and able to do that, you'd be surprised there are plenty of people out there who want to seller finance you a piece of land because they get monthly cash flow, they can defer their taxes over time for any capital gains tax that they have to pay on the property. And they aren't moving their land Otherwise, so they're more willing to accept a seller finance offer. So you can use seller financing or you can use bank financing. I'm not a big fan of bank financing with land though. There's a lot of hurdles that you have to jump through, especially if you're trying to subdivide and sell it off in chunks and get partial releases from the bank. And if you want to create wraps and wraparound notes like I do, I mean, using a bank is just kind of a pain in the butt. Yeah, I bet. So I mean, it's not, there's no cash flow on the asset. Then it comes down to basically your strength as an operator on the personal side. And then I'm sure that there's just a lot of red tape. So seller financing, when you're, when you're seller financing a piece of land, what is it? What are typical terms? Like, what does it look like in a, in a moderate case scenario? Five to 10 year note and a pretty low down payment. I like to keep my down payments low because I want to sell the land quickly and I'm confident that I can take it back and sell it for as much or more. It's funny some of these pieces of land are almost like ATMs, especially if you're in a landlord, quote unquote, landlord friendly state, such as Texas, where I do a lot of my deals. For instance, I have a, a gentleman right now who fell behind on his payments, isn't able to pay me. I've collected four or $5,000 from him on a one acre piece of land. I send him a notice. He doesn't respond. 20 days later, I send him another notice. Hey, your note has been accelerated and I'm going to take the land back. I collected, I think probably $2,500 down from him and several monthly payments of 700 bucks. Now I'm going to go take the land back and sell it again. I'm able to do that because the land is a great piece of land. It's in a great market. So down payments, relatively low on my side. I keep the notes five to 10 years. I don't like going longer than 10 year notes just because to me, 10 years is a long time. And also, if I want to sell those notes to investors, which I do a lot of, that note's going to be hit with a steeper discount, right? Because money in the future is worth a lot less than money today. So any investor who wants to come in and buy that performing land note is going to, you know, 65, 70 cents on the dollar, probably, as opposed to a three, four, five-year note where they can give me 80, 85 cents on the dollar to come buy that note from me. So five to 10 year notes, I like getting my money back, obviously, as quickly as possible. I'll sell those notes, low down payments to make it move relatively quickly. If you can get more down payment, by all means, especially as a beginner, because you need that capital to go put back into your business and do more deals, right? So the higher down payment you can get, cool. Personally, I like to keep it relatively low, less than 5%. But you know, some are going to want to be in that 10 to 20% range. And just know if you're looking for a 20% down and the piece of land's not moving, just drop your down payment and your buyer pool is going to become 
wider and more folks can be able to afford it. So you're talking about when you own the land and you're, you have someone else that's buying it from you. Mm-hmm. Are you also paying someone else to seller finance, basically their seller financing to you? So you're kind of making this spread in between? Yes, exactly. So what I was just talking about is when I'm selling the land, I'm asking for those low down payments, those monthly payments, but I also utilize seller financing when I'm buying a piece of land. And that way I'm able to pay the sellers. And basically what I do is I use a special deed of trust in Texas. It really has two special clauses in it. One that allows me to sell or lease all or part of the land while I'm paying the seller. So it's basically just removing that due on sale clause. And two, a clause that requires them to give me a partial release of a prorated fraction of the land. So if I have 100 acres I'm buying from them, I want to release 10 acres and sell it to Joe Schmo. I go to that underlying seller and do one-tenth times the remaining principal balance, and I get a partial release. It's called for that fraction of land so that I can deliver free and clear title to my buyer. So really, it's all just in the deed of trust. It's just a couple of little tweaks that any real estate attorney can make for you or any of your listeners. And that allows me to, as you're saying, make the spread between what I'm paying the seller and between what my buyers are paying me. So it's kind of this arbitrage in the land game of cash flow. What do interest rates look like on these seller financing deals typically? I've never been able to get one at 0%, but I know folks who have. For me, it's typically in the 5 to 10% range. I'm usually offering them 7%. And what I'll usually do is I'll hit them with two offers. One is, hey, I want to buy your land today. Here's your cash price. And I want to buy your land today. Here's your seller financing price. And so I offer like a cash price to them. That's obviously lower, probably 20 to 30% lower usually than my seller finance price to them. Because obviously I don't want to pay cash. I don't want to go get my own financing. I want to use them as the bank. So it's like, hey, your $300,000 piece of land, I'll give you you know, two twenty-five cash today, or we can sell or finance $300,000 over five to 10 years at, call it 7% interest. Oh, cool. Got it. So they have the option. And then do you ever, if you are going and buying these deals in cash, have you ever taken on investors or just, just your own money? Yeah, I've taken on investors. I love using private money. What I like doing now is finding private investors who want to come in and basically step into that seller's shoes when they won't hold the note for me. I'll find a private investor to come in and basically just seller finance it to me on my creative deed of trust that we just talked about. So then I can go subdivide it and sell it off. I see probably 12 to 18% interest in the private investor market for deals like that. It can be viewed as quite high, but when you're double, triple, quadrupling your money on a subdivision. These things move so quickly. It's like, yes, the interest is higher, but how much interest are you actually paying? Is it still worth it? Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about subdividing a little bit. So how does that differ from what you're doing now? So you're basically, you're taking a piece of land, subdividing up in in a section, and then who do you sell those subdivisions to? So believe it or not, I actually do not work with a lot of developers. I think there's kind of this misnomer out there that you need to go out, you need to buy a piece of land, create paper lots and sell it to a home builder who's going to build homes on it and cash you out, et cetera. I actually sell it straight to the average everyday person who's looking to get out of the city and have one to 10 acres of land where they can 
put a home on it. They can do a mobile home. They can have horses, livestock, and just get away from the city life. And there's a huge market for that right now. So basically what I go in and identify 30 minutes to an hour outside of, it doesn't have to be a major metropolis. You know, DFW is obviously a huge metropolis and area, Dallas, Fort Worth, anywhere within an hour radius. But I work markets that are Fort Stockton, Texas, where it's 10,000 people. And there's still plenty of demand for 10 acre lots, you know, 30 minutes outside the city. So 30 minutes to an hour outside of a city, you know, good water. They're able to get water. They're able to have power. And I go in, subdivide a bigger chunk down to smaller lots. It's oftentimes pretty simple. And then I sell it on Facebook most of the time, Facebook Marketplace, some MLS and landsofamerica.com, which is kind of the eBay for land, call it. And I sell it straight to the average user who's going to go out there and put a mobile home or build a barnuminium, whatever they want to do with it. That's kind of my bread and butter right now. To me, it's the best way to scale a land business is to subdivide. So pieces of land, I mean, there's no, but there's probably a, a decently small buyer pool for that. Like how many people are, are looking for that specific thing? Is it, or is it, am I wrong? Is it pretty big? I think it's pretty big, or maybe it's just because it's a competitive or a non-competitive market, more of a niche market. And so there's not, you know, a million homes for sale. There's only a few people doing what I'm doing, but most of my stuff, these subdivides, we'll have them sold in three to six months. Like the one I did in Midland County, Texas, it was 74 lots. That was like a $5 million deal, my Jazz Acres subdivision. That all sold in, in six months. And I still get hit up probably three times a day. Hey, when you get more land out here? So the demand is there. I think it's growing actually because of all the craziness in today's world, you know, political unrest, economy going crazy. People want to own something that's theirs. They can have it if they ever need it, go move out of the city, have, you know, whatever they deem that they need for quote unquote doomsday or economic unrest, whatever. They like the security of, you know, having a piece of land and something that's no one can bug them and it's their property. That's super cool. So, and how do you, I just got to ask you, how do you sell a piece of land? Because it's not like a property, yeah. you know, where you can put, throw a picture up of this, the side of the building or something. How do you, what does that look like on the marketing side? Yeah. So drone photos are key. I think drone photos and video will go out and take good drone photos and drone video of the property. I like to keep my stuff relatively straightforward. I don't show any of my land. So that's like one thing that's different. I actually don't like to work with realtors or brokers. And even if I was working with a broker, they wouldn't be out showing a piece of land, you know, driving 30 minutes outside the office, 30 minutes back on a daily basis. That's just not practical. So we do it all online, post good photos, solid description good location. And then when someone's interested, we say, Hey, go check out the piece of land. Here's the GPS or the address. They'll go check it out. And then we'll start having discussions on, you know, if they're interested, okay, closing package, are we using a title company? Are we closing straight through me, which I do a lot of just self closings with pieces of land. And, you know, if back when I was starting, now I have the credibility where I can send someone, you know, my company website or Facebook page, but back when I was starting, people were like, you can buy I can buy land from you online. Like you're just going to email me the closing packages. We're not working with like a realtor or a title company. Like it is a little foreign to a lot of buyers, but if if you have the systems and processes and credibility in place, you'll move past that right away. And I, 90% of my stuff, probably I self close without a title company straight with my buyers. So what are, what are the mechanics of that? How do you, how do you pull that off without a title company? Yeah. So 
always make sure to have good, clean title when you buy it. Obviously, I like to get, especially in these larger pieces, title policy in place, insured, et cetera. So I know that I own this land free and clear. And when I go to sell it, I do just a closing package. It usually has like a closing statement and receipt an authorization form so I can bill them monthly through my processing system that we have in-house, a deed of trust, a promissory note, and the survey, basically. I mean, that's it. It's like four or five documents, just a simple little email instructions. Hey, print this out, go see a notary. Here's my wiring instructions. If you want to wire me a down payment or send me a check back with the documents. So we just tell them, Hey, go print out these owner finance documents. It's going to be a little bit different depending on what state you're operating in, Texas, Virginia, Michigan, wherever, but it's all basically the same, a promissory note and something that secures the land that gets recorded of public record at the courthouse. And you do that yourself. I send it off to the courthouse with a recording fee. Boom. They stamp it, put it in public record and the deal is official and they're off paying me monthly. And again, if they don't pay me, then I'm taking the land back and doing that process all over again with a new buyer. If you want to work with a full-time syndicator to help you get up to speed faster, get your first deal done this year, and scale your portfolio so you can quit your job, then check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. It's the only program out there that actually guarantees results. That's right. We actually guarantee that you do your first deal in the first year. Otherwise, we'll keep working with you. And set up a, a strategy session call and explore whether it's right for you. It's themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. Yeah. So guys, what you're listening to is it's basically a low friction approach to transacting. So if it's something that's unfamiliar, you don't want to give people any reason to say no to the transaction because logistically it it doesn't make sense or whatever. So what it, what it sounds like John has created is yes. just really that low friction approach. And you hit it right. Yeah. You hit it right on the head. That's one thing that I actually say myself is as low friction as possible. That's why I actually don't like using banks that much when I'm trying to buy a piece of land, because now I'm trying to sell part of this subdivide and I need the bank's attorneys to review documents and have the lawyers sign off and blah, blah, blah. It's like as quick as I can sell this stuff with as little friction as possible. That's how I've been able to make huge returns on investments. You know, it's a lot different multifamily or any other sort of real estate as far as IRR is concerned. Like I don't do anything under hundred percent IRR, but it's just a whole completely different ball game. But yeah, you hit it right on the head. Yeah, exactly. So you're going in there, you know, you're you're making it easy for people. You once you and once you see it one way, it's hard to unsee that, right? So you're like, ah, I don't, I don't want to deal with this. Like our business, we're we've got multifamily, like large apartment complexes, and so often it's just people make it more challenging than it has to be. Like our, you know, our PSAs are forty yeah. pages long. And yeah, it's incredible. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's and you know navigating those types of things. There's just a lot. Like well, I've done deals before that were like some of my best deals where I as one specifically it was a direct to seller deal. And the guy it was like an 80 unit deal. And he just called me on a Saturday. He's like, I want to sell this. And I was like, what do you want? And he's like, I told me the price. And I was like, I'll send you a three page contract right now. Let's just get it done. And yeah, man. Said, the simpler, the better. Yeah, I love it. Keep, keep it simple. And I was like, I asked my attorney, I'm like, what's the difference between this contract that's three pages and like the 40 page contract. He's like, honestly, not that much. It's just simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, like it covers all the same stuff. It's just, if you don't use it in like the bigger arena, you look like you don't know what you're doing, I guess. So it's just, it's, it's a lot of its optics, stupid. 
Yeah, um, and you're dealing you're dealing with a completely different ball game. I always tell people like if you want to make as much money as you can as quick as possible, I think land is the best way to do that. However, if you want tax advantages, land is not the best way to do that. So what you're talking about with multifamily, me as myself, who's made, you know, now millions of dollars in land, but I'm paying up the butt in taxes. Like now I'm looking into what you're doing, multifamily, syndication, et cetera. So I think each avenue has its complexities. Obviously what you do with the long purchase agreements and super complex deals versus keeping it simple with land, but there's advantages to both and you have a huge tax advantage. So all that red tape and everything is sort of necessary in a way. Well, the cool thing is though, also, if you're doing something like you're doing with the land flipping, you can always just invest passively. If you don't want to deal with all that headache, do what you're good at. You come in with an operating trust and then you you get the depreciation benefits and you're a real estate professional. So you can take full advantage of it. So that's that's always a cool avenue. And then it's pretty hands-off as long as you like the operator and know that they, they know what they're doing. So I got to ask you about, you just did something pretty cool. What is Cornutus, Texas? Yeah, man. Cornutus, Texas is a small unincorporated town in West Texas out near El Paso. So it's like an hour east of El Paso and it's got a cafe, three mobile homes, a motel, a six spot RV park. It all sits on 28 acres right along the highway. And I bought that sucker. It would have been January 14th, 2023. So it's a few months prior to doing this podcast with you. And it's been, it's been an adventure. Let's put it that way. I've been talks to get it on a TV show. I've been in multiple newspapers, like blew up on a reel on social media. It was like a million and a half views on just a simple little, I put up, you know, Hey, I bought this town and like, everyone seems to be so interested that I'm, I bought a town. I was like, maybe I should be buying towns instead of buying land. But yeah, there's a lot of opportunity, but it's kind of been thus far more of a money hole and headache. If I'm being honest, like last time we we're out there, we found out that we have a water storage tank for our cafe because we we only have one well on the property. It does two gallons per minute and it's 1800 TDS total dissolved solids and 44 grains of hardness. So you can't drink that water. So we can't use the water in a cafe. So we have to get the water trucked in from El Paso. And we have a 2,500 gallon storage tank just rusted out the bottom. We, I filled it up as $280 to get 2,500 gallons delivered. Then next morning we woke up, we're trying to use a sink in a cafe to clean some stuff. Like, ah, oh, there's no water. And we're like, well, what's going on? And we finally look in the tank. We're like, it's empty. And we came to the conclusion that it just rusted out the bottom and started leaking and to get a new tank that's fully TCEQ approved and do it once, do it right is like 30,000 bucks. So it's always something like that out there. But one day <laughs> it'll actually be a, a active spot, like tourist stop along the highway and people stay out there, short-term rentals and all that stuff. It'll be kind of a cool spot to, to hang out. So first of all, why'd you? what made you want to buy this town? And second, what is the reaction? Because <laughs> I'm picturing like yeah. that whatever that tv show is where they like shit's creek right i've been yeah, yeah, i've never yeah. seen it but everyone's like you need to go watch shit's creek yeah that's, uh, that's so, what i'm picturing <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean i've always been doing just really just land nothing ground up and i wanted to be known i do want to be known as kind of the most respected well-rounded person in land like the go-to person for land i'm like what better way to kind of attract attention and take the next step and level up than to do this project and kind of quote unquote, buy a town. And it's in Hudspeth County. So that county is actually 
where I did my first land deal. And I've done thousands of acres out there of just larger chunks of land and everything. So I've driven by Cornutus probably a dozen times before I actually bought it. And it came on the market early 2022. And someone sent it to me. I'm like, man, that's going to be such a pain in the butt. It's in the middle of nowhere. I live in Fort Worth. It's eight hours away. Like, how am I going to manage it? There's only a few hundred people in like the surrounding 50 mile radius. Like, how am I actually going to do this? And then finally got to the point late December. I was like, you know, I really think I want to do this. So we went out and toured the property and it was a whole, that was a whole adventure in itself. The previous owner was quite the trip. So yeah, I ended up, I ended up pulling the trigger on it. And funny enough, there's another town that's for sale out there. I'm like, I might want to buy this one now too, because why not? I mean, we're already dipped our toe in the water. We might as well just do the full on leap with it. Wow. So what do you pay for a town? I paid let's call it several hundred thousand dollars, multi six figures, less than a million, which, you know, I think it was an interesting situation because the previous owner had over a hundred thousand back taxes and attorney fees on the property. So he was going to lose it. And so did I get a good deal? I mean, I probably actually could have got it for less because he was really in a tough situation, but it kind of came down to, do I want to own a spot on the map for less than $500,000? And I came to the conclusion, yes. And the hard part about it though, is I couldn't like, that was just straight cash out of my pocket. Like I just straight up rolled up and wrote the title company a check because there was no way I could get lending in time or do anything I needed to, because we're on such a tight time frame. He wanted to do like a 10 day close, shake my hand at the courthouse. I convinced him to actually use a title company and get the lien all taken care of and everything. So there was no way it was going to be any sort of a traditional deal or transaction on that one and he and he was not going to do any seller financing of course because he was in trouble exactly so it was just a straight straight cash sale and then so you you buy the piece of land and then you go around and like meet people what's what's kind of like the next thing you do yeah so immediately word started spreading that i bought it so basically everyone found out everyone's had a really good positive excited attitude and vibe towards me, I would say, because the previous owner was kind of such an a-hole and not well-liked by most people. And so they're like, okay, new energy, you know, we're going to see what this guy can do with it. So yeah, I go out there. I immediately kind of went to all the surrounding communities and towns and kind of just started shaking hands and people had already heard and, you know, nice to meet you. And everyone's excited for it. Everyone's had like a million different ideas on what I should do with it everywhere from Instagram DMs to people stopping by the property, do this, do that, make this art installation and blah, blah, blah. And so it's been just like a million suggestions, which I appreciate because I've actually gotten some really good suggestions, but some of the stuff is just so far out there. (laughs) So it's been fun. (laughs) That is, that's crazy. We, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly familiar with El Paso. We tried to buy 500 units out there a long time ago, but it's, it's, it's definitely, fairly desolate out that way. There's not, especially, I can't imagine an hour outside of there. There's, there's, you ever been out there? I've, I haven't been at Cornudas. I've been, I've been to El Paso a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So man, that's so cool. So it just, it just kind of came up. You're like, Hey, you know what? Let's, let's go for this. And now, Hey, maybe, maybe that's going to be your thing is you keep buying these towns. We'll yes. see. That's, yeah, yeah. that's cool. How do you add value to a town? When you get in there, is it just, is it like fixing up the the local buildings? Is it trying to make all of them into tourist destinations? What's like the plan behind that? Yeah. So there was a, so many things that we're 
we have done and are doing here to add value. Usually when someone's selling something like this, it's because it's been run down. Like the one I said, I'm looking at to potentially buy. It's the same exact scenario. It's owned by someone who's not really a business person. And so they don't really have a business mind on how to actually make money and make it a profitable business. So in this one, for instance, we just added a $60,000 commercial grade security system. The guy had zero security. He was having problems with people being idiots, you know, stuff getting stolen from time to time. And so, you know, add a security system, you know, we're doing short-term rentals. He didn't do any short-term rentals. He had one of the mobile homes out there was rented out for $200 per month, which is just like absolutely obscene. You could rent them for like a hundred or 150 per night, uh, just short-term rentals. And so there's plenty of space to add short-term rentals. Stuff was run down. So, you know, getting proper air conditioning in there, beefing up the menu in the cafe, selling stuff like gas, firewood and ice and simple convenience items like that, which he was not doing. And so there's just so many different things, you know, that we could could and are doing. Expand the RV park. That's super simple, right? There's six spots. There's room for like 15 or 20. So I just go in there and make more RV spots. He didn't have a primitive campsite. Like I can't think of anything easier other than having a primitive campsite where people just go pitch a tent and look at Guadalupe Mountain National Park out there and enjoy a sunset. I want to do like fire pits on every camping and short-term rental spot and then sell them firewood. So it's like simple things like that where it's all self-enclosed and, you know, people go out there and have a great time, but at the same time, it helps generate business and, you know, nothing's free, unfortunately. So you need to make money in order to make it a thing in order to, for me to own this town, I need to make money. That you don't just, it's not like you just buy the land. You're buying like all the businesses as well inside of this. Yes, town. exactly. <laughs> so, that's, that's so cool. I mean, I could see how it'd be like a lot of, you know, a lot of work to figure out where you're going to start doing things and, and all that stuff. But it, it sounds like there's, you know, a lot of possibilities is to just be creative, come up with revenue sources. And one thing that kind of popped into my mind, I've been thinking about this a lot in West Texas, like doing some sort of simple multifamily setup. I don't want to call it like in the desert, but oh, there's this one spot. I think it's like on I-20. It's either east or west of Abilene where there's literally just like one or two buildings. It's probably just a 16 or 32 unit apartment complex. It's kind of just like out in the middle of the desert. So is there room for something like that out there? If I could actually get some decent water... I think so. And I don't know, you would know more than me, but I think something like that's got to be relatively simple and straightforward to construct just a one building with 16 or 32 rooms in it. And just people can live out there full time in the desert and be away from the city. Yeah. I mean, at that point, it just comes down to what's, what is your cost to build? And then what would that be worth later on an equity basis and all that stuff? But that, that could be a real possibility, which is great. John, man, it's been great to talk to you. It's a really interesting story. How can people reach you if they want to get a hold of you? So I'm just at John Jasniak, J-O-N-J-A-S-N-I-A-K, at John Jasniak on all social media. Pretty big on Instagram, trying to grow the YouTube, but Instagram is kind of my main resource. Shoot me a DM, shoot me a message, shoot me an email. I mean, I answer all that stuff. If you got questions about land, about real estate, whatever, I mean, if you DM me on Instagram, I will answer probably same day. <laughs> so I don't know. I just like helping people. I like looking at deals, especially if you have deals like land deals you want me to look at. Like I, 
I love just offering free advice on on deals. I don't know. Looking at deals is probably my favorite part of the game, honestly. Awesome, John. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me, Garrett. Hey, guys, I'm going to get into the recap of this show in just a bit. But before I do, I wanted to just talk about a little bit about what's going on in the market for you guys out there that are wondering. So at this point in time, we're seeing a big slowdown in transaction volume. So you're seeing about a 76% reduction in transaction volume across just multifamily in general. A lot of the commercial product out there, even in office space and some others are just getting pounded right now on their pricing. And so it's a really tough time to transact. I, I, we had a deal that we closed this year. That same seller had five other deals in our contract that all fell out. We're the only one that closed. So it's increasingly difficult to raise money. It's it's hard to find deals right now. But the key takeaway from this is that everything is temporary. Things come in cycles. And it's still, it just means you have to do more reps to get into deals, which is completely fine. I mean, you, you just have to, you're going to learn more by doing those more of those reps as to what you like, what you don't like. Maybe you expand it to another market that you didn't think was possible before because there's other opportunities. There's a lot of good things that can come out of this. And you just have to continue to put in the reps and do the work. And eventually something will, will come out of it. So I, I really enjoyed this show. It's, it's it's always cool to meet someone that bought a, a town, of course. That's such an interesting adventure. That That's something that I, I've actually secretly always wanted to, to do is to show up at a town and, hey, I'm the new owner, guys. What can we do here? <laughs> and you, you basically own this city, small city. I love what he said about how he has a low friction approach to doing deals. And he actually does them himself away from a title company. So I, I encourage you guys to look at your own business and say, hey, where can I reduce friction in general? I think that that's, that's such a key point, a key takeaway is you probably have points in your business somewhere where you, where you just have way too much friction and it's, it's stopping you from reaching your highest potential. And it sounds like he's figured out a way to reduce that, which is, which is awesome. I also like the fact that you know he does still work with private money, but he's confident in his business plan, so he knows he can get out of it quickly, which if you're dealing with private money, that's that's really key. Key takeaway there is to be able to get out of it quickly. And I really like his approach to buying deals. He's a deal junkie, you can tell, just like me. And there's always opportunity. There's always a gap out there for you to get the edge. Don't have that seed of doubt in your mind. Like, oh, I could never find a deal. Why would anyone want to sell? Because there's a gap. There's something that they need. There's a need that they have that you, and that you can fill by just being smart and being aggressive. And so, you know, I, that's why I asked that question. Why would anyone sell you that? You know, their land for seventy to eighty cents on the dollar. Even he's like, oh, they'll sell for thirty to forty because there's a gap. There's somebody out there that just can't figure it out. They want to get rid of it. They're done, and you can capitalize on those types of opportunity. And that's what I love about real estate. So with that, guys, thanks for tuning in today. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com slash vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.